Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome, everybody, to the Pick Six podcast. We are all now 2024 quarterback prospects for Nebraska. Sam McEwen along with Evan Bland and Tom Chattel. Uh, hello, 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 everybody. Gentlemen, uh, welcome to mid-May. Are we all dual-threat quarterbacks? Uh, or, or are you guys going to stay in the pocket? I'm a pro-style. Okay. And Tom's tall enough to see over the defenses. I, I thought Rayla was dual-threat in that he, he, he could have brought other players with him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right? Mm. That's right. Um, but, um, yeah, he's he's a Georgia bound, and um, I don't. Is anybody surprised by that? I know some people. I heard, yelled at me on social media about it. I wasn't. I, I thought it was kind of a long shot in that. He, I thought Nebraska was probably third uh, in a line, but but wh- who knows? We're we're all guessing. The kid knows, and that's about it. Um, but I, I just I. Um, I go back to people. I thought, well, he'll do what his dad did. He'll go to Nebraska. No, his dad chose Nebraska because in 1998, Nebraska is where you, if you wanted to win out on trophies and national championships, you went to Nebraska. If you wanted to go to the NFL, you went to Nebraska as a lineman. Okay, that's what that's what Dylan's doing. He's following his dad, his dad's footsteps. Exact same footsteps, only that, that that school is now Georgia. It's not Nebraska. So, um, I don't, you know, kids of that level of 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 of, of that stature really don't want. They don't. They they very rarely go start programs. They they, they go where they can win and and be the guy right away, and. You know, Get on the Heisman list, Heisman train, and um, you know it w- would have been a gamble to come here, in a, it, because in order to, you know to, to be that kind of guy, you know um, to win the national championships and play for those kind of things it would have ha- it would not going to happen here, you know in the next two or three years. So um, he would have had to wait, and or in, in any case. He he would have really had to love Nebraska to come here. So, I, I, I he he did in fact follow his dad's footsteps. He's he, he's, um, but like I said, in today's world of transfer portal, eh, if it doesn't happen today, stick around. You never know what might happen down the road. Hmm. Yes, that is uh, that's absolutely true. We're going to talk about that more about Dylan Riola here in a second. We'll also talk a little bit about Tom's. The first part of Tom's conversation with Ted Carter, NU president, also really no sports. I don't know if that's always been true of the uh, NU president or even an interest of the NU president, but the, it's true in this case. We'll also talk about Nebraska baseball, um, maybe a little bit about Nebraska basketball. Um, but let's get back to Dylan Riola. Um, so obviously he picks Georgia. 
Uh, he uh, commits to the Bulldogs. You know, I thought he would go to USC. I think what I've learned since I thought that is that um, they like the Georgia coaching staff more. I hmm. think that'd be the word for it. Um, I think they like Kirby Smart. I think they like Mike Bobo, who's the offensive coordinator there, former Georgia offensive coordinator, former Colorado State head coach. They've got some other quarterback guys that are around that. Georgia really supports that position. I mean, they've just got a lot of voices in there, people who are attuned to the development of the position. And so I think Dylan Rayla really warmed to that. I think Nebraska is, you know, put its best foot forward. The question for Nebraska, uh, and we'll get to this in a second, I think, is whether or not they spent too much time on recruiting Dylan Rayola and what they do now because mm-hmm. he's not coming to Nebraska. And so, Tom, you had kind of mentioned that you thought, well, Rayola did what his dad did effectively by picking the best program. Simultaneously, you think Nebraska needed to put in the energy that they did to try to get him um, and that there's nothing wrong with finishing in second place. Not at all. Right out of the, right out of the gate for Matt Rule uh, to show up and, and uh, get – um, real or re-engaged. I mean, he was he was out. He wasn't Nebraska wasn't it wasn't in. Right. And he he brought him back in. That, that to me made a statement. And then showing uh, the world of college football and, and college football recruiting that you know yeah we have a connection here. But this is the kind of guy we want. We're going to go all in regardless of, of whether we've been going to bowl games or not. Uh, this is a new day. I, I saw that the energy they put in, and you know, getting him here, and you know, getting some people's hopes up. Um, I thought I, I thought it was a hell of a statement, and I think it's um, they, they did put some other things on hold, some other quarterbacks. Um, they did, but it, but, it, but it, again, it made the statement that this is you know we're going to go after these kind of guys, and uh, we're going to get them eventually. So. Um, no, I, I, I don't think it was it was it was a lose deal at all for Nebraska. I, I thought it was a win uh, in that sense. Um, so, and that that may be a um, you know uh, hollow victory for some, but they they, they wanted them. But um, um, you know maybe there's some guys now that who who might come back around. I mean, if there's one in uh, in, in town here. Daniel Kalen, who who plays at Bellevue West, committed to your alma mater, Missouri, mm-hmm. and committed, in my opinion, pretty quickly. Like I think he did over the winter, um, really before there was any sort of you know settling of things. Most quarterbacks who are uh, you know top fifty quarterbacks in the country have already committed, and so it's not uncommon for somebody to commit in February. That's when Kalen did it. Um, you know, he, he obviously Nebraska was interested, but was not going to take a commitment from him so long as Dylan Rayola was sort of out there. And he committed before Dylan came back for a, the basketball game, you know, where he threw the bones and they, I think they beat Minnesota and B the, the March 30th visit. And so like at that point, I don't think Nebraska was like, you know, in a position to say, yes, we will absolutely take your commit in mid April. As it turns out, um, I think Nebraska knew probably within two or three weeks of his visit in, in March. Yeah, it looks like he's going to Georgia. <laughs> so uh, so I think there was, had they been able to give Kalen a date certain of saying, if you hold off until this day, 
um, we think we'll be able to give you a definitive answer. Maybe they would have been able to do something. But, of course, you can't tell a kid that, Evan, and, and you can't. It's not so easy to be able to just, you know, keep a kid on the line. And here's the thing that I think is most true. Maybe 10 years ago you might have been able to, but it doesn't work that way anymore in Omaha. You don't just keep kids on the line. Teddy Rizak, you couldn't keep him on the line. Mm -hmm. Notre Dame offered him. He committed to Notre Dame silently. Then Nebraska offered him, and when Nebraska called him last Thursday, Teddy told me, I told Nebraska I already committed to Notre Dame. That's a strong statement. And and like he wasn't gonna wait, and that's fine. Like I, you know, that's fine. And and I agree with you, Tom. Like you gotta shoot your shot. Like that's a guy who, by all mm. accounts, could have changed the program. You don't get him. It's not every day you have an in, multiple ins, really, with the top quarterback prospect in the country. And you know, it's it's a it was a high reward, low risk venture, in my opinion. Okay, you miss out on Daniel Kalen five years ago. That might have crippled your quarterback recruiting now you just go back to the portal next spring at the worst you go back to the portal and you add a guy it's well, not it's not a huge the, deal the timing of it was all wrong for rule i mean the uh zane flores would have been a guy you wanted sure. as well uh it just everything was awkward and, and um you know the previous staff wasn't getting him and going after him and, and such um did they wait too long on rezak i don't know is that yeah, I mean, you would think if the staff were in place a year earlier, yeah. they would have known about him quicker and offered sooner. Sure. I think that's fair to but say. I mean, could they have offered in January? Or? They had a lot going on in January. Yeah. Well, Maybe. In any case. Yes. Uh, I mean, yes, they could have. Uh, but, I, th I think that's a reasonable point. And at the end of the day, I think they, I think what they thought was going to happen, and it's, it's reasonable to consider this, is Boston College is going to be his best offer till he comes and camps with us in June, mm -hmm. and then we'll decide whether we want him or not. Right. And Matt Rule got beat by his former boss. Al Golden, uh, who was his boss at Temple and the former Miami head coach, came in and fell in love with Teddy Rizak. He was there to look at Caleb Benning, and he was there to look at Christian Jones, who is a 2025 prospect. So oh, let's, let's see this guy, too. He sees that guy, and he's like, oh, my. And then Notre Dame knew. They knew. We got to get him on campus now. We have to do the whole thing now. If we want this guy in our, on, in our, in our class, we got to move now. They did mm -hmm. move. And Nebraska was just a little too late. And, you know, I, Nebraska almost gave him, like, a ceremonial offer of, like, er, we like you too. And, you know, you can go back and forth on whether they should have done that. I for think, the record, yeah. I think it probably was okay to have just passed on it because, you know, well, whatever. I, but but they, yeah, they offered it, and then the next day he committed, and and there you go. Like, that's, that's the way it, it ends up. But Nebraska – has to be on top of all of its evaluations, and it's it's not going to be easy as it relates to quarterback play. Um, Kalen, I think it's going to be hard to get him to come away from Missouri now. I think he's been committed to the class for a while, and Missouri's done nothing wrong, and Missouri hasn't played a game. Now, if Missouri goes 3-9 and nine next year and they fire Eli Drinkwitz... I think that's a situation that is going to change. I don't... Right. Uh, I don't. Do you think Missouri is going to be any good next year? Not No, not great, and the, the SEC East keeps getting better and, and they are not getting better i mean not at the level of like tennessee or, or even kentucky right now that they they, they they passed them by so they went know, seven and six last year right yeah they they that they, they barely got into the uh, the, the bowl game they uh, but um and they lost but um yeah i just feel like he's at the point where he's got to do something better than what he's been doing 
which is is just scratching around trying to get in a bowl game. So, but it's hard in that league. So, but he it's is really hard. He yeah. is, he is, he is a a quarterback system. So it's a quarterback friendly place. Um, you're going to throw it a lot, and uh, but they do have other guys too. So um, I think that's a situation. I'm not saying it, it's going to change. It certainly could change. Um, so. You know, if you want to keep an eye on that down the road, fine. Um, I just think it, it's fair to maybe start judging this staff on Nebraska recruiting uh, starting in June with the camps. Um, I think maybe you have a period when you get hired of, of kind of finding out the place. You, know, you can't argue with their effort. They're, you know, Ed Foley, you know, Jersey Ed's back on the road, man. He's back on the, the diner circuit. And um, he's he's all over the place in the state. Again, second time around where other staffs didn't have a first time around. Even hopped over the river to Sioux City. Well, I Look mean, that. so it's, mm-hmm. it's, but the hard work pays off. I think that, that, that there's a grace period for guys like Rezac, okay, Maybe the first few months of your of the time you're here, you know, you know, guys get away. Maybe you don't know who they are yet. It's hard to offer if you don't really know them. Um, but I think I think starting in June is when okay, they've got to lay the land now. They know they kind of know who's who, and 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 now and now we can kind of start judging them on the state recruiting. I think starting in June. Hmm. Well, you know, they've got a quarterback coming in in early June, Kamari McClellan. He's going to visit. I, I don't know. I mean, he he he's a dual threat for sure. Um, more one threat maybe than another. He, he's got to improve as a passer, um, in my opinion. So um, that's a guy they have coming in. They could look at a Carson Rahner who's at Elkhorn South. You know, I don't think he's a Power 5 scholarship guy at this moment, um, but I think – you know, could you could you cultivate that that frame? And you've watched his some of him. And could you cultivate that frame as a walk on? Yeah, that's sure. possible, um, or something like that. But but more than likely, you're going to go to the transfer portal unless you know. As I and I was looking at Missouri's schedule, and what I'll say about Missouri's schedule is after they play South Dakota and Middle Tennessee State, they got to go play Kansas State. And that's it's, they're not going to. That's at home. But they're probably not going to win that game. And then they play Memphis. I don't know anything about Memphis, but their crossover games in the um, in the SEC. So their SEC West games are LSU. They're not going to win that. I'm going Arkansas, to that game in Arkansas. Yeah. Who is it? LSU and LSU and Arkansas. They play Arkansas every year. Right. But their crossover games are LSU and Arkansas. And there, there's a moment during the middle of the season where they play LSU, Kentucky, South Carolina, Georgia. Tennessee, Florida, and Arkansas, mm. all in a row, mm. and that's hard. I mean, that, you yeah. could see you could see Missouri going four and eight next year. Nebraska could too, but the point being that there might be a, an avenue for maybe a, a, a coaching change or something like that. The Big Ten West going into next season, so going into twenty twenty three, six of the seven teams will start a transfer portal quarterback. And I and I believe I am correct in saying they will start a new transfer portal quarterback. Jeff Sims at Nebraska, Cade McNamara at Iowa, Tanner Mordecai at Wisconsin, Hudson Card at Purdue, 
I don't mm. know the guy at Illinois' name. I don't care. And Ben Bryant, <laughs> the Cincinnati quarterback at Northwestern. I can't remember the guy at Illinois. I can't. It's not Tommy DeVito because they wouldn't let him play another year. Right. It's some other guy. Um, the only team that has a homegrown quarterback, and by that I mean like a guy that recruited out of high school, is Minnesota. And he's no great shakes. I mean, he was okay. But this tells you something about what teams are doing. It's It's like... They, if they can't develop a guy right away, they move on to the portal, and some of the names that I just rattled off are pretty good football players. Kate McNamara is a good player. I mean, he will make Iowa better, mm-hmm. no question about it. And so, you know, like, I think that's true. I think you can just go to the portal because there's probably a four-star out there that's worth that's worth grabbing. Mm-hmm. And Nebraska might get Logan Smothers back. I, there's no question that this, the door was left open for that by rule. He didn't say the name, but... I mean, he said. <laughs> well, yeah. Who else are they talking? He did about all that? Game? He did all but say the name. Yeah. Um, so you know, I I think Nebraska's quarterback issues are fine for the next couple of years, but mm-hmm. Dylan Rayola would have made it an interesting conversation if he had committed here. No, no question. He's he's super super talented. I thought the national conversation was interesting too. I know the Athletic wrote about it, and and maybe a couple other outlets too, just about how it's hard to break out of the status quo. And and I think there was a my sense from. The national coverage out there was people were kind of rooting for Nebraska because that would have been a cool story. Dude comes home, tries to resurrect a program, and instead he goes to the football factory, well, and it sort of is what it is. Because it's, it's possible that he won't, again, two things can be true at once. A, he can be an elite quarterback. B, him being elite won't win them any more games than they already would have won. They didn't lose last year, and they had Stetson Bennett. Now, I granted he was drafted. Like Stetson Bennett's the next Tom Brady, you know, sure, like right. Alabama's had some also ran quarterbacks that won national championships too. Georgia won its national title not because of Bennett, but because of everything else. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Rayola could go there, be elite, a tremendous player, and they don't necessarily win more games because he was there. Mm-hmm. Whereas if he goes to Nebraska, I don't think there's any question Nebraska wins more games because he's there. Flip side of the coin. We always said that was going to be true of Adrian Martinez, and it really was not. Other flip side of the coin, Dylan Rayola is a better passer than Adrian Martinez by some margin. We need to be clear about that because I've heard people make comparisons there, and I'm like, Adrian's a hell of a runner, but he at no day has he ever had Dylan Rayola's arm. Mm-hmm. Rayola's got a 75-yard arm. He's pretty. He can throw all the throws. Um, I think he's a guy that's going to flourish wherever he goes. He's going to be a 30-touchdown guy. Um so we'll see, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, and I, you know, elsewhere on the recruiting front, I know we talked about this a couple about a month ago, and then I, you know, I've kind of been all over the place on this, and I was like, I don't know if they're doing that great of a job, like, or if this is going as well as they thought it was going to go. And then they got a couple of commits, mm-hmm. and one of them was from a guy that they were going to get. I mean, his sister goes to school there, and and then the other one was McGahee, which. I guess was a little bit of a nice surprise, but the other guy was going to Nebraska. He just hadn't committed yet. Yeah, and he decided yeah. to do it once he came on the visit. I'm kind of back in the, I'm, I'm curious to see how this thing's going to go camp because I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a shoe in that they're going to get either of the bell West kids. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to have to battle for that. I think they're going to have to battle for Caleb Benning. They're going to have to battle for Pyfram, although I think they've got a good chance with Pyfram, unless he really wants to go to Penn State. And if all three of us can suggest 
Tom, you wrote this in your column yesterday. You actually want you want them to play at Penn State every other year? No. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I think Oof. I think the way to go is, uh, and, oh. and, and again, it's not about us driving well, no, it isn't. along the, the, the lonely road. God bless of, you. Uh, the, the, the deer hunter. Um, right. It's it's not about us. It's about if Nebraska could have a a game on the East Coast and the West Coast good every point. year yeah, on national TV, yes. a big time game. Yeah. I think I think you got to do it. That's uh, a good point. Um, I hadn't thought of it that way. And uh, that's how I see it. And um, you know, I, I, th- I think Rule being a Penn State guy, and oh, they, yeah. they're going to recruit Jersey. <laughs> they're going to recruit the East Coast. Mm. You, you get some, get some into Pennsylvania. Where he's a homeboy, he speaks the language, he can get players out of That's Pennsylvania. Right. That's a good point. I think, and I just think Nebraska has more history with UCLA and Penn State than anybody in the Big Ten. They have no history with anybody in the Big Ten. That's a good point. They have great history with Penn State. Nebraska is a great game. Oh, I want UCLA so, all the way. No question. And I think yeah. you're right. The fans would go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. But I just think it, it, it would it would it would help recruiting to have that game. And you're gonna you're gonna win your share if he gets the program up, you know. If when the program is back up where it should be, he, he's he's gonna be James Franklin at home. He's gonna get his share. Uh, they were doing that when when Bo Pelini was here. They were beating Penn State. So, um, and then they could beat UCLA. So um, beat them three years in a row. I I just think they're not gonna make USC Nebraska and every, but they might give UCLA Nebraska. Some okay, here's one, and that gets you into California. Um, again, it's it's you're on both coasts every year, or maybe every other year you go west one way or right. east. You know. But yeah, again, it's not for us; it's for the program. Nebraska has a four and one record against Penn State since joining the league. Right, that's fascinating to me. So the point being, if Caleb Pyfrom wants to go to Penn State, you either want to go there or you don't want to go there. But I think they have a chance with him. Um, Carter Nelson, I mean, he's going to visit Georgia. Yeah, he's gone quiet. Well, he's going to go visit Georgia. He is going to visit Georgia. Yeah. I mean, how do you? Okay, so how do you say no? Like, if you want to be, if you want to be an NFL tight end, Georgia is going to be able to say, and here is this guy, and here's the guy, here's Brock Bowers, and. Who else do we have over here? We have Dylan Rayola in the club. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so like Nebraska is going to have to battle for him. I do think Nebraska will win that, but I don't think it's a shoe in. There are no shoe ins left. No, I, uh, if they were shoe ins, they already would have put their they, shoe in. Wow, very good. I know. You know, I I'm going to have a story this week on Malachi Coleman, and one thing that I was curious to hear about from him was how Nebraska was able to close the gap so quickly because, you know, he decommits from from Nebraska after the previous staffs let go. I mean, Deion Sanders is calling him. Georgia wants him. And he ended up at Nebraska and committing to a staff that he didn't know like a month before he committed. And so, you know, he talks about relationships and, and, and attention to detail and sort of the collective staff as opposed to liking and trusting maybe one guy on the staff. But, like, that's, to me, exhibit A, if you want to be optimistic about what Nebraska can do with some of these other guys is what they did with Coleman and sort of that team approach. I think that's where, you know, the guys that are heavily recruited, like the Bell West kids, like some of these top Omaha prospects, like, they've been through the process enough, as had Malachi and his family, to know kind of where the BS was and where the authenticity was. And I feel like that could be an area that 
that Nebraska and Rule, because they're all so simpatico, could have an advantage is is closing the gap with some of those guys. But um, I think that's possible. You know, I'm just saying that like nothing's in, nothing's a for sure. No, sure. Of the names I just mentioned, and then you know they're they're making offers again to get <coughs> excuse me again today with 2024 receivers in Texas and California. Mm-hmm. So they're casting a wide net and you know I think they're going to recruit all the way up until the the day of signing day in December. Like I think this class is going to be put together, it's going to be tireless effort all the way up till, which means I think they're going to get some good football players, but it isn't going to be this, hey, we got hey, we got 15 by by the end of July. And so now it's about picking and choosing. I think there's going to be a little bit more of, you know, we got irons in the fire, and one of those irons is going to come out, but I don't know if that iron's going to come out until, like, December 7th. Yeah. Well, December 8th. Well, I agree. Like, it feels like their slow start in part is reflected by the fact that they were in the NFL this time last year. They weren't building relationships with these guys two years out. And they have a history of finding guys late. We just saw it in the last cycle, even with some of the players that they brought in. Can I add a third thing to that? Please. A lot of these guys have not recruited at this level. That's true. And that doesn't mean they're not going to be great at it, but we have to be honest about that. Mm-hmm. Like Satterfield has, and what Tony White has. But like, because some of their position coaches have actually not done that at this level. Like, they're learning how to do it. You can't just say, well, you know how to do it. Like, you have to learn, right? Like, and so. Some of them are kind of doing this for the first time. Even if they're getting paid a lot of money, some of them are kind of doing it for, you know, they're learning it. And I think there's a curve, and it takes more than four months. Go ahead, proceed. My no, that's, that's all right. No, th- I mean, I just, I agree. that th- There's the learning curve. There's the track record that they have at other schools kind of doing more with less. It's just, I think, where they lack a track record in recruiting, they've made up for it with what they've shown about player evaluation, player development. And it just seems like, whereas five, six years ago, if the staff at the time missed, they were in oh crap mode and just finding bodies. It feels like at this point, at the very least, you miss on some of your top guys, you're going to find some late blooming athlete somewhere and develop them and turn them into something. So it just doesn't feel like there's this huge drop off where, boy, if you don't get your guys now, your class is a wash. And then you, you know, you, you, you couple that with, the transfer portal and how that can help you plug those gaps. And it just, I think five years ago, you'd probably worry if Nebraska was in the spot they are now, but, but in the current climate, like it's just, I think it's going to turn out. Okay. I really do. Well, I think it's going to turn out. Okay. Sure. But what they want it to turn out better than okay. Because it's their first full class. Well, but they want it to just be like, they want it. I think that the, the message I keep getting certainly from Trav and rule. And when they talk is, we can't just be a, we cannot afford to be good. We have to be great. We have, everything has to be really, really good. If you're going to get back, because to get out of this rut, it takes, and then get out of the rut, like permanently, it's going to take year after year after year, good years, like oh, stacked on each other. But isn't the path to that doing what they're doing, getting some maybe little less heralded guys? Cause you're not going to get the top end guys as, as Dylan Rayola just, just gave us an example of. You develop yes. the, the middle, kind of the, the high potential guys. Yes. You start winning, and then you stack on that. Like I think it's unrealistic to think that they're immediately going to get a top twenty class just because hey, there's a new coach here and he's he's Although in the Scott NFL. Frost did in his second year. This is, that's true. Twenty nineteen top twenty class. Sure. 
He, was it's he a, did? It's just a, it's a different. He got one deal. It's a different last landscape. Yeah, I, it is a different landscape. I agree with you. It's it's <clears throat> it's the savior coming home versus the savior didn't work and this five years of losing. But I'm I'm just again, facts are facts. They are. Scott Frost failed in many ways. I'm currently doing a deep recruiting review on the 2019 and the 2018 classes. Mm, great stuff. Yeah, it's taking a while. The 2019 class had football players in it. Not a lot of them left, but Jude. I mean, there were some players in that, including Wandale. Mm-hmm. And there was a saga behind Wandale that we'll explain another time. Anyway, um, yeah, I guess we'll I guess we'll find out what happens with recruiting. Let's move to baseball. Um, Nebraska baseball is in the Big Ten tournament. They are in the Big Ten tournament. And the team that, that clinched that can still make the Big Ten tournament themselves, but they will not be ahead of Nebraska. You're, you're talking about... Illinois. Illinois. So well... Illinois, the, Nebraska finished ahead of Illinois. Yes. But Illinois' season is over. In league play, yes. In league play. and but So Nebraska finished ahead of Illinois, so they can do no worse than, than Illinois, right. which can still make the Big Ten tournament in eighth. Right, they can. Yeah. yeah, so Michigan State and Purdue, they're ten and eleven. Illinois is done at twelve and twelve. So Illinois could sit idle and miss out as if those two teams pass them by. Uh, more than likely, they'll probably make it as a seven or an eight. Michigan State's playing a very motivated Indiana team. Nebraska, of course, is playing Purdue. So I think Illinois is probably going to make it. But yeah, it's it's kind of fun. I mean, Nebraska's in the tournament first time since 2019. Of course, they didn't have a season in 2020, and 21 was league only. Um, and there's you know 0.01 percent chance they win the league if everything breaks their way, but more likely than not, they'll finish as a four, five, six seed. Yeah, playing Omaha next week. Tom's it, excited about it. Feels it feels like a headline, and it, it shouldn't be, but but because of those circumstances, I mean, but forget 2019. They're 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 playing Ohio State. They beat Michigan, mm-hmm. the College World Series finalists that year. Yep, uh, we didn't know at the time, but they they beat Michigan on Saturday night, and then they're they're, they're playing for the Big Ten tournament uh, championship on Sunday, and then all of a sudden there wasn't a tournament. There wasn't a tournament. We haven't we had one last year. They weren't there. It it, it feels like it, you know Nebraska's not even part of the event anymore mm. because of all that. So. It's a headline, but going forward, it should be automatic. Um, Evan, I just don't know what to make of this season. Every time I want to trash it and say it's it's been an average, mediocre season, you know, they've got some – say what you want about the Big Ten, and it's not great, but they have some good Big Ten weekends. They, they, they won two out of three in Michigan. Uh, they went, went to Maryland, and they were in those – they won one of them. They, but I feel like they 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 were able to hit the ball there. They come home and yeah, they lose to Minnesota bad, but they win the next two by like three uh, or uh, four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, then they they sweep Penn State, which is what you have to do. I I feel like they, they've they have a chance next week, but I don't trust them because they don't. <laughs> They haven't been there. They have these these incredible letdowns um, where they don't show up, and that's that's not Will Bolt Ball. That's not why he was hired. So there's something going on in the program, and 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 I know it's the pitching has been up and down uh, a lot. Uh, that's got to get fixed. But I, I feel like they're just in a weird place because I feel like they, they do the Iowa thing was a, a, a total disaster. Um, 
but you know, before that, like I said, they they go to Michigan and win two out of three. I thought that was a good weekend. So they, they've had their moments. Yeah, I mean, they've won five of their seven Big Ten series. They they could have beaten Maryland two out of three. Iowa, as you said, was everything went against them that weekend. I guess I feel like what's reared its head maybe a little bit more accentuated from what we've seen in past years has just been there's not a lot of depth, and that's that's you see that in the midweek. Like if you don't have a fourth and a fifth starter. Those midweeks get really tenuous and ugly, and, and Nebraska goes six and six in the midweek this year, which is uh, really average, below average. Uh, if they'd gone nine and three, yeah, they would be thirty-two and seventeen. Mm-hmm. Would they be on the bubble or no? Uh, it depends on what those losses were. Okay. If they had lost to Kansas State, that wouldn't hurt them as much as losing to Omaha and North Dakota State have. So it would depend, maybe a little bit. But it also turned out that their non-conference schedule wasn't nearly what they thought it would be. They thought South Alabama would be good. They stunk. They thought uh, San Diego, which was a regional team last year, would be good again. They were, I think they're sub-500 or fight, fighting right around 500. So that didn't do them any favors either. They stunk in the midweek. I still think that it's, they have the potential to make a run in the Big Ten tournament. If for no other reason than they have star power they do. that's better or on par with anybody else. Bryce Matthews and Max Anderson and I still put Emmett Olson in that group. I think he could get drafted pretty highly in July. Like they have the guys, they have the talent and And they'll have the crowd. And they'll have the crowd, yep. They had a little players meeting last week after beating or before they uh, beat Creighton after they lost the suspended game and then after the next one that kind of lit a fire. <laughs> so who knows? <laughs> like, like he doesn't be. He doesn't. That be. You like those game three weeks? Just, yeah, it kills me. You like that? I mean, you show up with bases loaded, <laughs> no outs, and you lose the game. I mean, it's it's. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I people are gonna. They're gonna get mad at me for, for bringing this up, and 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 maybe I shouldn't, but. Do they need to play Omaha that many times? I guess midweek you do. I mean, they don't it, – it, it kills you when you lose to them because, mm-hmm. number one, you're losing – you know, and Omaha's a good, a good program. and, and But, you know, you lose to Creighton and, and Omaha, your RPI is – it hurts. And so I think they should play Missouri more. I think they should get them on a the schedule every year, whether it's midweek or a weekend or something. You know, as, as an SEC team, it, it at least helps your RPI a little bit. And I know that they've always played KU and K-State. There's there's not a lot to do to, to uh, work with around right. for that. But um, <laughs> it's just amazing. To, but I, I, I watched Missouri on, on the SEC uh, channel on Sunday. I, I swept Georgia that came from behind and went on the ninth and – Guess who had the winning hit? Cam Chick. Cam Chick. Big hit. Yep. I saw that and going, holy cow. But wouldn't that be a fun a fun baseball series for Nebraska? Yes. I think they would come up here and play them, too. It'd have to be midweek unless they got them on their, on their bye week or something. I, I agree. But still, it's it's a five-hour drive, but I, I, I think, I think it, it, it'd be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Nebraska's name, and we, we can talk about this more another time. Nebraska's name in baseball travels, still travels far enough, in my opinion, to get them in some, some fairly prestigious baseball tournaments, right? Like they will next year. Yeah. So w- w- what's, what's with the, let's go play South Alabama and San Diego? What is that about? Is that about, is that about the one year when Nebraska baseball was maybe like the 20th best team in the country, but they went 29 and 30 because Darren over, Erst had overscheduled. 
and they're they live in fear of that, or is it? You're saying why did they not schedule tougher yeah, why this don't year? They just play really hard teams. Oh, again and again and again. Like what would be the? Uh, let's to be to be a very fair comparison. That's what Nebraska softball did. Now they're in the NCAA tournament, and they they're like 34 and 20. But that's what Nebraska softball did, and they they got beat quite a bit. Like they lost to Alabama, not Alabama. They lost, I think, to Arizona and Arkansas and Wichita State twice and Oklahoma State twice and uh, Virginia Tech. And but they beat Texas A and M, and they beat another team. I think they beat Arizona. They won two of them, and they I think they went two and eight in those games. It wasn't brilliant, but not one of those games hurt them. Not one. Right. And every one of them helped. And at the end of the year, I think everybody was like, oh, my goodness, what are they going to make it in? They did make it in, and they didn't go to Oklahoma. I thought they were going to make it in, and they were going to send them to you know Jordan Ball and, and Norman, and they were going to be in a lot of trouble. Now, as it turns out, they're going to Oklahoma State, and they're playing a harder team in the first round. Wichita State's really good. Uh, they're like actually like a top-10 team. They're just whatever. They got screwed in their seeding. Um, so Nebraska's got to beat them, and I honestly don't think they will, but – they're in the tournament because they scheduled really hard. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this bite Nebraska women's basketball too. Like at times they haven't scheduled hard enough or whatever's happened. And like, why didn't Nebraska baseball just play those teams over and over? I think those teams would have played Nebraska, wouldn't they have? Probably. I mean, they went to like Frisco in 2017. They had the TCU series last year. Like they schedule, they had Vanderbilt and Ole Miss this year. So like they usually pick that one weekend. I know their scheduling philosophy is you pick the big weekend and then you sort of kind of pick, try to be strategic, kind of like they did with South Alabama and San Diego, try to find teams that'll help you, but maybe won't, you know, they're not quite as overwhelmingly talented as like yeah. an SEC team. And I, I know that there's, especially at, at a, a colder weather school, there's a fear and they're going to get, put this to the test next year, is coming right out of the chute against some of these top Southern teams, you get steamrolled if you haven't even played outside before that first weekend. And sure. that's going to be a challenge for them. So, like, they're trying to balance between, yeah, you want a, a schedule, but you want it, you don't want it so hard, and it's going to have to be played in February and March when you're still getting your footing that you're buried and your confidence is, is shot and all this. So, like, it's kind of a tough spot. You, Understood. You need to have a better schedule I, than they had this year. Fair enough. I, I think this is a uh, you know people in the Big Ten certainly don't want to hear this, but they have to agree. I think when you know Dave Van Horn was certainly that good, but I think when you're in the Big Twelve, you have you have to try harder. The, the standard has to be higher. You know you you, you can't have a, 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 a pitching staff that, that doesn't it has to be there all the time. The defense has to be there all the time every weekend. You've got to show up and you've got to play well. I don't think that's the case in the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten is solid. It's it's got some good teams, but the the level of play is not as high every weekend. And I think over time that erodes a program right. when you're not asked to be at a certain level ever all the time. Mm. And um, you've got to be wired. You've got to be different. You've got to be a program that is above that. Mm. Um, and um, I think that's it, it, again. Is it is it is it why they're? I don't know, but it's certainly. I think you know when they were in the Big Twelve, they had to be there, and they they had to go to that tournament. And um, you know, but but again, you're you're not asked to. 
you don't have you know you don't have to you don't have to be perfect to get in the NCAA tournament. I think I feel like in the Big Ten you have to be almost almost perfect to get there. Well, we've talked on this podcast before on the football side about what Urban Meyer did for Big Ten football and and raising the standard and kind of bringing everyone else along. I wonder yeah. if there'll be a, a a smaller version of that in baseball when UCLA and USC join the league in two years. I mean, those are proud baseball programs that are going to come in that are not going to think less of the sport just because they're in a different league. I'll be curious to see if that kind of raises all ships a little bit there um, or if they get caught up in the other way too. I think that'll be fascinating. Is USC, are they in, in, are they that kind of program? They're a bubble team. Yeah. Yeah. UCLA, they, of course, they, has they, been a national, the number one national seed yeah, in recent I, I, years. Yeah, UCLA definitely. I don't think UCLA, USC has not been that kind. But you know, maybe they're on the way back. Um, but um, in women's basketball, it took about seven years, but it happened. Maryland steamrolled the league for like four or five years when they came in. Maryland being a Final Four team almost every year, they finally figured it out. You know, other teams in the league adjusted. Ohio State was the first team to adjust, and then Iowa got this girl named Caitlin Clark, mm-hmm. and that changed it. Now Caitlin Clark was going to Iowa. It, you know. That's by proxy of living in Des Moines. She could have gone anywhere, but that changed it. Right. When Iowa got Caitlin Clark, Ohio State was already there. Indiana's kind of getting there too, but mm-hmm. it took like a long time. And what it really took was a transformational player. So it's going to take UCLA could come in and beat the crap out of this league for six years, just like people thought Nebraska was going to do, but Nebraska didn't do. And why didn't Nebraska do it? Because they waited three years too long to fire a guy that should have been fired <laughs> the minute they had a losing season. And the reason that he wasn't fired is because the guy that was the AD at the time liked him. And that there was a decision made there that set the set it set many things back, in my opinion. Hmm. Like they they were set up and the last two years of that guy's tenure were so dispiriting. I mean, they were losing 26 to 10, and team players weren't competing anymore. They lost some of their best assistants. And they just, UCLA's going to come into this league, and they're going to just mow it down. You watch. Maybe. It could be. They have a lot of travel considerations, though, too. And when they show up in, uh, you know, State College in late March, sure. as opposed to going to Stanford or Oregon State, that's a totally different deal. 22 and 2. Okay. How's that? I don't think so. Well, hey, maybe I'm wrong. I think, uh, yeah. 22 and 2. Okay. That's what they'll do. Mm. They'll just pummel the league. It, it need, And to be clear, if that happened, it'd be the best thing for the Big Ten. But, well, that's what we're talking about. be great about. for it. Yeah. They need it. Like, Urban Meyer came in with a team that was on probation and had nothing to play for and went 12 and 0. Mm-hmm. And everybody oh. looked around and was like, Holy shit! Well, and, and he had a different attitude. He wasn't just happy to be in the Rose Bowl. I mean, it, it was it was like Darth Vader. Or, I mean, he was <laughs> he, he he wanted to yeah. absolutely uh, beat the crap out of you every every week, and that I think turned some heads. Um, now I'm, I I think USC in a different vein isn't doesn't have that same mentality, but. I think that they're going to also do what Ohio State did. I think I think I think Big Ten football is about to get another shot to the head. Here comes USC is going to be at that level, and then you know Jim Harbaugh. Say what you want, but he's I think the guy's always been a good coach. Now he's got a little something going, and uh, now he's got to deliver it again. 
he's got to beat Ohio State at home, and he's got to go back and, and into the playoff. But uh, they, they, if they ever won a national championship, that would be a game changer uh, for for the, the. I just think the mentality is going to change again, and the, the time is right uh, with the twelve team playoff in a couple of years for that for for, for the, the Big Ten to change. Uh, the Rose Bowl is going to be diminished, and um, that's why I'm so intrigued by the Big Ten football scheduling right now. I think it's 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 really interesting. How will they set it up? We'll uh, know by the end of the month. The I TV, think. the commissioner is a TV uh, executive, yep. and the, it's going to be a TV show. And uh, but it doesn't make it bad. A TV show can make things better. Um, you know, you want to get on TV. You know, Big Ten's always been kind of equal, spread out, but they're they're going to put the best teams on, and and they're they're, they're going to get favoritism. USC is going to be one of them, and so if you want to if you want to be, if you want to be in that club, you got to be better. So, um, we'll see if Nebraska can if they can up their game right now. The timing can, can be very good. We're all journalists, so we cover the games. But if you had to pick. Between the three, just thinking of the TV productions and whatever. And yes, I know UCLA isn't very good in the Pac-12 this year. They're 11, 14, and 1. I get it. It's all good. <laughs> but if college football, would you want Fox in the morning, CBS in the afternoon, or NBC at night for your marquee Big Ten football game? Because that's how it's going to be set up. Fox in the morning, CBS in the afternoon, NBC at night. Which I, one? I don't like morning for any... And any Noon, big game, right. Noon. Noon. I don't like that for any big game. Okay. Although OU Texas seems to always work uh, at 11 a.m. If everybody wants to just you know destroy each other at 11 a.m., mm-hmm. would have a giant corn dog. Michigan and, Ohio and, State. Yeah, it, uh, that that seems to work. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm 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 used to college football now on every hour of the day and every night of the week. I don't I don't know that it matters. Um, I think it's the, the the game now. I can make the 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 time slot. The time slot used to make the game. I'm thinking now it's. Mm. I think we see games at all times of day. So, um, I I I'd I take night over afternoon personally. Some of the SEC games, I always think it's better at night than than a, a, a game's bigger at night under the lights. Um. Then it is that you know the, the, the CBS, SEC, Tennessee, Florida, two thirty. Eh, okay, it's a good. You know, if it's Alabama playing somebody and it's, everything's on the line, I'll watch. But um, the the the, the two thirty CBS game, the the theme song is great. But um, to me, a game's bigger at night. Yeah. And, now, now some of those games. You know, Nebraska used to play all their big games at uh, t- two or two thirty. The Oklahoma game was always right in that slot. And I will I will say this: uh, talking about the lights, the the two thirty game would always end around five thirty, five forty five or six. And the the dramatic moments, the the climax of the game, here we go, it, it always happened under the lights. It was it, it was dark by five thirty or six. So it seemed like a bigger deal. So I will say, sometimes at two thirty seems like like it was time for my nap. But by <laughs> six o'clock, 
It's, uh, you know, I do take naps. By 6 o'clock, yeah, the lights are on. This is kind of fun. So answer your question, I would go night. Um, and the other two, I don't really care. I mean, it, it has to be the game. Sure. If it's, you know, Wisconsin-Purdue. I'll 11, give you the announcers but, you know. then. Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson. Yeah. Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson. And Ian Eagle's son, Noah, and Todd Blackledge. That's the NBC crew. And Catherine Tappan, who's really good. She's a sideline reporter. And then Jenny, I can't remember her name, Jenny Taft in the morning, the sideline reporter. And then I don't know who the... Who the uh, who the CBS? Maybe Jamie Erdahl or somebody else. I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, uh, I mean, I I want to give Fox credit for its big noon campaign. Like a few years ago, that was pretty controversial. If you remember, like right. you're going to put your biggest game at noon, and they've done a really good job of sort of zigging when everyone else is zagging and, and maximizing their ratings there. So I think they've done a good job with that, and, and it sort of plays into this pseudo college game day vibe where they have their people there, and so that's pretty cool. I, Certainly, I, yeah, as a guy who covers the game, I like the earlier game because we can actually, you know, write uh, take our time a little bit more with some of that stuff. But right. if I'm just a, a fan watching, I mean, it's hard to beat the seven o'clock kicks and under the lights. You think about all the the big games in college football. I mean, how many of those were under the under yeah, the lights? There and people storming the field. It, it, I'd probably go night, noon, two thirty, just from a. I'm watching on TV, consumer point of view. Yeah, there, there, there aren't enough difference-making announcers anymore that I I, I pay attention. I, 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 to me, a lot of them sound the same. I do think the the Fox guys are the best. Um, but what I'm seeing, and I'm going to watch this a little bit. Maybe it's just me. I'm I'm kind of worn out of on ESPN Game Day. I'm 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 I'm, kinda, I'm not as into it anymore. And now that they're moving. One of their key people to uh, uh, Fox, uh, the the bear, uh, the, the gambling guy. Yeah, he's going. And to Fox. If, if, if Fox turns in more into the gambling show, you watch out. Um, I think that would be the smart play. Um, so I, I I don't know if he's going to bring everybody audience over. I'm just kind of worn out by the game. I just feel like it's 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 not it's not fresh anymore. It's not. It's, it, it's not must see uh, like it used to. And what will they do with a lot of the Big Ten games that they aren't showing? Um, will, will they emphasize those? I mean, yeah. Oh, right. ESPN, ESPN game day. Know. I'm sorry. So, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, good the, question. So, um, there's still a playoff. So I'm I just, they, I just, uh, the Big Ten needs to be shaken up a little bit because those. Yeah, on all the ESPN partners, the 11 a.m. You know, game day ends at 11. He puts on the head, the head thing. You know, Corso puts on the the mascot deal, and then we go right into the you know Wisconsin Purdue on uh, ESPN two, and on ESPN is this uh, Vanderbilt versus uh, Ole Miss, or then we go to ESPNU and it's. Uh, um, you know, Iowa versus Northwestern, or it's or maybe Nebraska versus somebody. It's just like, ah, uh, just so vanilla and so plain. And and uh, these are the games that people are on TVs and sports bars, and and places where people are tailgating and getting ready to pump up for the big games. And it's like nap time. So 
I just feel like the Big Ten never did itself any any favors with, with these early eleven a.m. games, right? Because it was just so boring. They had punt, punt, punt. You know, it was you know. I was waiting for the the Big Twelve games to start, where all the action, all the, right. all the people scoring touchdowns left and right. That's right. And um, so, I, I just feel like the Big Ten needs to be shaken up a little bit, and uh, I, I think USA is perfect to do it. I agree. I think if NBC puts the same energy into their college football broadcast that they do their NFL one, they will be the best. Mm. And I was worried that Collinsworth's kid was going to call the games because he's not, but. Hit Iron Eagle's son, no Eagles, pretty good. Um, but I think Klatt's the best analyst. I, I think this NBC thing is something to watch. It's a yeah. game, it can be a possible game changer for the Big Ten in college football. It might, if, the, if, if this commissioner, if he plays his cards right, and I'm sure he's way ahead of it, it could bring Notre Dame into the Big Ten. If not as a member, as a TV partner. Right. And if you get him as a TV partner, that's almost as good as having him as a member. Right. That's right. College football, Notre Dame baseball, whatever, uh, you know, hockey, uh, volleyball, fine. But you get football as part of a Big Ten Notre Dame package. That's what you wanted. It's great. And mm. then they play each other, and NBC is the one that, 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 that uh, perhaps brokers the deal along yep. with, with the commissioner. So, um, That'd be it, great. Maybe something I'll ask, I'll, I'll ask Ted Carter this week when I get to see him. So you've had one one half of a conversation with Ted Carter, the NU president, former hockey player, um, athlete, loves sports. Um, you're going to have a column, I think, next Sunday, not this Sunday, this but next my, Sunday. Memorial Day Sunday. So what yeah. do you think of just, you know, I know you like him. I, we all like him, but yeah. you got to talk to him a little bit deeper than, than we have. He's so unusual. Um, there was a... a, a Chancellor at KU uh, many years ago, who was from McCook, Nebraska, Gene Budig, um, who turned out to be the the, uh, the president of the the National League, I mean, oh. big sports fan. The, the people at this level, the presidents, are not necessarily sports fans. Now, some of them are, but a lot of these guys don't know. They know who the head coach is, but they don't know where the practice field is. They know how to get to their suite. They know how to get to a bowl game and and and, and, and go to the parties, um, and they, they they like to show off their team to the other presidents. That's why they give the coaches so much money, but they don't really pay attention to sports. Nebraska has a president who loves sports and uh, is involved heavily. I totally trust him to be in the middle of all of, of this college football stuff because he's. He's spent a life around college sports, and uh, he's played the games. Um, he talks about his job as a president in terms of coaching and and, and like uh, 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 the team building. So it's fascinating. So I want to interview him and and find out where all this came from. And um, yeah, the first the first installment was started late because I went to the wrong I went to the wrong address. Uh, I, I know where to find the football stadium. Unfortunately, I don't always know where to find the the, the president. So um, I got there late, and he was great. And we talked about him growing up, how we got into sports, how we got to the in, in, in the Naval Academy, and then the the Top Gun, all the all, all the Top Gun stories, and including he was Tom uh, uh, Tom Cruise's handshake before the movie Top Gun. They said 
we want you, Tom Cruise is coming into this movie, we, we want you to kind of show him around and, 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 and so forth, and he did. And that he was, Ted Carter was, who got basically the first guy Tom Cruise saw in, in, in that movie. So, um, well, he wasn't actually in the movie. Anyway, um, just all these stories about, you know, trying to land a plane on an aircraft carrier in the dark. And if, if um, good Lord, they mm. tried 13 times. If they missed, I mean, they were out on the mission, basically uh, watching Russian uh, fighters mm. and, and, try, and trying to you know, just make over the uh, Japan Sea, mm. just making sure that, that, that they didn't come to the, near the, uh, the, uh, the aircraft carrier, which was the, um, the, the, the midway, the famous midway. Uh, mm. So, talked about having, having the. They, they tried 13 times, and and if they did, they, they were going to have to like, eject into the into the sea at 2 a.m. And if they found them, great. If they didn't, they were gone. Oh, uh, and uh, yeah, just all these stories uh, that are just amazing. And then that's where we kind of left it. So uh, I've got a, a lot of Husker questions, a lot of college sports uh, things to ask. Um, well, I'm probably I'll probably do some more Top Gun. I can't get enough of that stuff. So, um, but. Um, he did say it was so funny. He said he said Tom Cruise was the the, the greatest guy to be around, and he he, he said he passed the, the swimming pool test. I said, well, what's the swimming pool test? That's where you get thrown into the water with with all your gear on, and you you have to get out of the gear and, and up. Like if you get thrown in the ocean, you have to get out of your gear and, and into yeah. the and, and start swimming. And he said he he he, he passed it right off. So. Um, I, I I love that kind of stuff. It's it's uh, it's a lot of fun for you know this time of year. Did he say if he liked which Top Gun he liked more? Uh, we didn't talk about that, but I think I think he liked. Uh, well, I'm biased. The, the second was so much better. The, the, the second was is one of my all time favorite movies. And uh, the one that just came out last summer. Yes, yes. yeah, it was. Mm. It, 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 it was a good. It's a great movie. movie. Yes. It was good. It's actually a great movie. Um, yeah, it's good. It's and. Really good. Um, but um, but you can't. I mean, the first one's nostalgic, you know. It is. It, it, the second one was better. Yes. Yeah, and part of it was, and as he as he said, they they put the cameras inside the the jets, whereas the first one they didn't. Hmm. The second one, the first one, they're like in a studio, where they're showing you know Iceman, all these guys. But the camera and the cameras and the actual the the actors were were up in the planes and they. They were working the cameras while they were doing it. Mm -hmm. So, um, I just love that stuff. Um, it's, um, but anyway, he's he's fascinating uh, guy. The, the, the Top Gun president, uh, you know, Nebraska's president is cooler than yours. I mean, he, he's he's like <laughs> all the other guys were stuffed shirts and don't know anything about about football. This guy knows everything about sports, and um, I I want to ask him. You know, why did you come to Nebraska? Of all the jobs, right? Uh, why did you have to come here? I mean, he, he's he, he grew up in Rhode Island. Um, he, you know, Naval Academy, uh, East Coast, uh, San Diego for a while at uh, you know Miramar. Um, why Nebraska? So I can't. I'll maybe one of the first questions I ask him. That's a great question. You know, um, <clears throat> I, I maybe we've underplayed it, but he was a defining factor in both Trev Alberts and Matt Rule taking the jobs in Nebraska. I'm just telling you. And yeah, that's not that's a right. knock on Ronnie Green, but 
he was a deciding factor in Trev because Trev really got along with him. And they share military, you know, uh, Trev's son is, is in the military. Um, and then Matt Rule at that luncheon last week, he spent five minutes, and Ted, and Ted Carter introduced him, which I didn't put in the story. I probably should have. So Ted Carter gets up there first and talks. And then Matt Rule goes up there, and he's like, at the end of the day, he's like, my wife comes to me and says, how are you going to say no to an admiral? Hmm. And, you know, I mean, Matt Rule's good in that setting. He, he can play it up. But I've heard this enough times where I think it – I think Ted Carter t- is why Matt Rule's at Nebraska. That's a, certainly a uh, factor. I'll tell you, Sam, it's, it's so important for these guys. Uh, one thing I've learned about coaches over the years is um, – you know, they can all make money everywhere they go now. It's 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 every job's a good job, every job pays. Um, but who they work for is everything. Who who's who's your boss and does he have my back? And am I gonna be able to get what I need? Um, and uh, that is so important for the coach, it's the A D, but it's also the president above him. And uh, for the A D it's who right. who am I working for? Um if it's Harvey Perlman, you know, there were guys who weren't coming here. There were AD candidates. <laughs> right. They were, they were coaches. There was no way in hell they were coming here. Right. And and so the president does set he sets the tone. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I can absolutely see that where uh, you meet Ted Carter. He, he can talk sports. He talk. We all speak the same language. He's very impressive. He's not just some academian, you know, nut right. from, uh, the uh, philosophy department. He was in no sports. <laughs> this is a guy who was an athlete. He's an, and he was a, a fighter pilot. Yep. And and he's got a hockey stick in his office. He's got a Carney Loper's football helmet, uh, uh, full size. Um, he's got all this stuff that he's going to show me uh, when I go in there next time. Yeah. But but that's why you go work for him because he's like you. He's one of you. Trevor Albert's athlete, Matt Rule athlete. We speak the same. You know, he yep. said this is not a guy who who is who's going to talk down to me and, and tell me what what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who knows who knows what I'm going to do. Mm. Well, that is a good capper to our podcast for this week. We, I think, maybe we'll be back next week. Um, it'll it'll be interesting because Nebraska will be in the Big Ten tournament. So we'll mm-hmm. try to figure out a time maybe to do that or not do that. Good luck to the Nebraska softball team. They play in the in the NCAA tournament this weekend. The Nebraska track and field team, congrats to them. They were the Big Ten champions. Justin St. Clair is coach of the year at Nebraska. There's no question about that. Anybody else can do whatever they want. That guy has got it going on. And so going out to practice and watching the best javelin throwers in the country all throw at the exact same time, it's really something to watch. And he's out there in his, like, you know, Carolina blue shorts and his shades looking. That's good. That's good. <laughs> like it's, it's interesting. We're going to do a story on Justin St. Clair and how he got all these play, all these throwers, and they're all kind of working out, you know, simultaneously. It's really interesting. Um, but anyway, for Tom, for Evan, I'm Sam. Take care. This is the Big Six Podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.